You're listening to Martin Wolf's podcast from the Financial Times. What is the most hated facility in the UK? Heathrow Airport is the answer. What is the country's most hated company? It has to be BAA, Heathrow's owner and the world's leading airport company, in its own words. What then is the solution? Everybody seems to know that. Break up BAA. Unfortunately, everybody is wrong. BAA is not the principal cause of the misery, and breaking it up is not the magic solution. This mess requires more comprehensive solutions. Users are indeed enraged. When my colleague Philip Stevens wrote a column on Heathrow on June the 12th, he was amazed by the response. Going through Heathrow is indeed a wretched experience. Delays at check-in, security and immigration, unpunctuality, lost and delayed baggage, broken escalators and walkways, dilapidation, chronic overcrowding. The list goes on and on. I share fully this frustration. But is it all BAA's fault? Hardly. The Department of Transport is responsible for imposing apparently irrational baggage restrictions. The Home Office mismanages queues at immigration. Airlines are responsible for check-in and baggage handling. Heathrow's facilities are also both old and operating well above capacity. Designed for 45 million passengers a year, they processed 67.4 million in 2006. The construction of Terminal 5, with a capacity to process 30 million passengers annually, was delayed for years by the UK's tortuous planning procedures. So, too, would be any plans for additional runways. None of the above is BAA's fault. So why should breaking it up solve these defects? Would it make the planning process quicker, the Department for Transport more reasonable, the Home Office more consumer-friendly, the airlines more efficient, flying less popular, the terminals younger or the capacity of the airports larger? The answer to all these questions is no. Would a breakup necessarily improve even what is under BAA control? Would it, for example, reduce the space used for retail facilities and improve the quality of other services? Obviously not. In 2006, retail provided 27% of BAA's revenue from all three London airports, 22% from Heathrow, 35% from Gatwick and 44% from Stansted. If the space devoted to retail were reduced, revenue would fall. Either charges on passengers would rise or other costs must be cut at the expense of service quality. Moreover, even if one did not care about the cross-subsidy from shoppers to the more frugal, airports are less barren than they used to be. Shopping is also often convenient and even diverting. Would a break-up itself improve the quality of service? Why should it when there is chronically deficient capacity? Terminal 5 may change this condition, but only for a while. Given the regulatory cap on charges and the capacity constraints, how would competition between Heathrow and Gatwick motivate new owners to provide a better and presumably costlier service? Where would any offsetting revenue, or threat of lost revenue for that matter, come from? The new companies might, it is true, ask for additional capacity, but who would tolerate an expansion free-for-all with attendant planning blight? My colleague John Kay would argue that the standard shareholder-owned company is an unsuitable operator for such a quasi-monopoly. I sympathise with his view, but again would a break-up of BAA solve that problem? Self-evidently not. 
Breaking up BAA is a simple and apparently market-compatible move, but it is impossible to understand why it would do anything fundamental to end the misery. This is not to suggest it would do nothing at all. There will be better yardsticks for regulation and a greater diversity of managerial approaches. It would make, at best, a marginal contribution to delivering passengers from misery. So what might be more effective? Well, the UK could scrap those unpleasant planning controls and let runways, terminals and additional airspace expand with abandon. That will not and should not happen. An alternative would be to price the growth of air travel out of the skies. Taxing slots at a very high level would do that. Environmentalists would cheer. But which government is going to be brave enough to tax cheap air travel out of existence? The realistic solutions will be a combination of many smaller steps. Improvement in the incompetent interventions of the ministries. A regulatory regime that encourages incremental investment in facilities and heavily penalises the operator or operators for the host of small service failures that build rapidly up into big ones. Penalties on sloppy baggage handling. Enhanced opportunities for passengers to pay for the speed of security checks they themselves want. A willingness to impose taxes on slots to curb demand. And not least, a streamlined planning approval process. The UK is dreadful at delivering big infrastructure projects. Terminal 5 has itself been a grim example. Let us agree that flying into or out of the main London airports is a miserable experience. But let us not imagine that there is a magical solution. In our mundane world, ending the misery will be far harder. In the meantime, my advice, not one I take, alas, is stay at home. Thank you for listening. To read Martin Wolf's columns online, please go to www.ft.com forward slash wolf.